Mac Power Users, Episode 275, Optimize Your iPhone and iPad. Hello, everyone. It's David Sparks, along with my pal, Katie Floyd. How are you doing, Katie? I'm great, David. How are you? Good. This is a show we've been uh, talking about for a while. We wanted to do it, you know, when it was just me and Katie. But, you know, optimizing iOS or your iPhone and your iPad is something I don't think a lot of people have given thought to. But now that the iOS operating system has been around a while, there are some really useful tricks to make uh, using your iPhone and iPad a little better and a little more efficient. So uh, we've been collecting them in this outline for a while. And uh, we thought we'd just do a brain dump with you guys and and share with you how to optimize your iPhone and iPad today. So you mean we're going to tell everybody how to do it right before iOS changes? Well, we're actually going to make mention of that a little bit. We're, we're going to do a show on iOS 9. I've been running it. I think, have you been running it too, Katie? No. Yeah. Well, oh, actually, yes. Yes, I have. Not on my okay. iPhone. I've been running it on my iPad. Okay, great. So we, I've, I'm collecting notes. Katie is too. We're going to do a whole show on iOS 9 and that'll be part of it. But but we're going to make mention of it through this show too, because there's some there's some cool stuff down the road. But a lot of these um, these trick tricks will work whether or not using iOS 9 or iOS 8 or even iOS 10. That's right. I just spoke to the future. So uh, let's start out, um, just get right to it, um, about the one of the things I think the easy step that people can take and not enough people take is is what I call wrangling notifications. Oh, and this I, I can't tell you how many people out in the wild I see with just notifications gone absolutely bonkers. I, I was having dinner with a colleague of mine the other day and they were getting notifications constantly. And I just they were a friend of mine. So I looked over and I said, what is going on over there? And they said, oh, my gosh, I'm so sorry. My son must be playing a game on their iPad back at home because they were getting all of the I guess because they were playing it on the same account and they were getting all of the notifications for this game that their kid was playing on their iPad on their iPhone. And I'm just like, no, let me explain to you how to stop that. And they were so thankful. They're like, can I buy you dinner? And I'm like, well, you could, but I like that. So now if you listen to our show, you may be able to get yourself a free dinner. But can you imagine how annoying that would be? Yeah. The, well, one of the first steps is, you know, so notifications are a great idea that can go horribly wrong. I I equate it something to like when I talk about due dates and OmniFocus, you know, if you have so many due dates or so many notifications that you just don't pay any attention to any of them, you know, they lose effectiveness. Yeah. At some point, they're not worth anything to you. So uh, spend some time doing it. I think the, the starting point is, When you install a new application, and this happens almost every time you install a new application anymore, um, they will ask you, hey, we'd like to send you notifications. Is that okay? No, it's not okay. Yeah, it's not okay. And it's silly because, like, I got one recently. I downloaded an app about, um, because I'm working on my vegetable garden, I I started checking out vegetable garden apps. And one of them was, you know, helping me um, figure out watering schedules and things. And it's not it wanted to send me notifications you know, for, for an app that's going to tell me how to grow tomatoes. I, I, I said, no. Uh, so be careful when you start installing new applications. I think part of you is kind of excited. You got a new application. You want to get all the features of it. So you're like, yeah, sure. Give me notifications. That adds up very quickly. And um, so there's a starting point there. Um, when you install new applications, the default should just be no, unless it's really something that you think you want notifications for. Um, but I think for a lot of people, 
um, there is the problem already exists. You know, even if you said no to everything new, you're still getting too many notifications. It's really not that difficult to manage these. If you go into the preferences on your iPhone or your iPad, there is a notifications tab there. And from there, you can do it. Um, I did a screencast on it. We'll put the a screencast in the show notes. So if you just want to watch me go through it. In fact, I did that as a reaction to the Apple Watch because I was reading all the reviews of the Apple Watch and everybody was complaining about too many notifications. And I was thinking, you know, these tech journalists should actually understand that you can turn some of them off. So I made that screencast. Um, but it, whether you have a watch or not, I think um, wrangling notifications is something that that doesn't take that long, but it's not as easy as it should be. Yeah, And I think one of the problems is, is there's so many different types of notifications that it can be kind of confusing because you can leave some notifications on and some notifications you can turn off. I mean, maybe, maybe you want the badge or maybe you want the sound, but you don't want the banner. Maybe you don't want a notification center or vice versa. You can get pretty granular in, in your notification center. And I guess we can kind of run through what those different notifications are. Yeah, this is this is like kind of anti Apple in a lot of ways. I mean, Apple's always been the company that says we're going to make decisions for you. We're going to make it easy. But with notifications, I guess they decided that that just wasn't possible because so many people are going to have different requirements. When you go into the notifications tab, there's a listing for every app in there. For instance, I installed Angry Birds 2 recently. And it's listed, understandably, as off. That's one where I said, no, <laughs> that's OK. Angry Birds doesn't need to tell me when I'm getting, uh, you know, more angry birds or whatever. Um, but it's not just a simple, you know, binary on or off switch. You also have control over whether there's going to put uh, an alert on the lock screen, whether it's going to make sounds uh, or, or it's going to show up in notification center. And all of those decisions are made on a per app basis. So um, that's why people, I think, just get paralyzed and don't do anything about it. Yeah. Uh, so when you when you go into notification center, you're going to see at the top all of the notifications, all, all of the apps that you currently have notifications enabled for. And then if you scroll down to the bottom, you'll see all of the apps that you have notifications disabled for. And then if you click on an individual, which itself is kind of confusing, because if you don't see an app, then you've got to kind of scroll to pick and hunt and find it. Um, and then when you click on an individual app, you're going to present it with this whole other screen of options. There's, you know, one toggle switch of do I want to allow notifications at all or not? So you can turn notifications completely on or off for that app. And then there's going to be if you allow notifications, then you're going to see options for do I want them in notification center? Do I want sounds? Do I want an app icon badge? Do I want to see it on my lock screen? And then then you have a whole nother set of questions that you have to ask yourself about each of those options. So, uh, so you're, you're sitting here listening and saying, I have something better to do than fiddle with notifications. Um, yesterday, my wife was uh, at Starbucks getting coffee. So I said, okay, I'm going to do this as a test for the show. I sat down, I went through and tweaked all of my notification center um, notification settings. And it took me all of 10 minutes, you know, while she was getting her coffee, it was done. So um, you do have time for this is our, is the good news. So <laughs> next time you're stuck in a line or, you know, wherever you find yourself uh, seated and not moving for a while, maybe you want to just go ahead and fix your notifications and uh, you're going to like your phone a lot better. Yeah. And and the, the, the real great part about this is when it's done, because you've gone through and been so granular about it, when you get a notification, you're going to pay attention to it. And it may be something that actually is helpful to you. Right. So what I mean, generally, what types of notifications do you find important? I mean, are there certain ones that you typically always have on or, or and what have you customized with those? 
Yeah, I'm, I'm generally against sounds. You know, I turn the sound. If any app makes the cut to get me notifications, it probably doesn't make the cut for sounds. In fact, now that I think about it, not a single one of my apps gives me sounds except um, appointment reminders, you know, my calendar app in Fantastical. Um, but the, other than that, I don't get sounds. And then um, I, you know, I will get notification center alerts. Sometimes I will get lock screen alerts. And once again, that's something that's very limited, like calendar events gets that um, phone messages and mail VIPs. And I, I kind of went back and forth on that a little bit, because if I had left my iPad on the table, you know, while I'm in trial and a VIP email comes in that anybody, you know, the other council could conceivably read it. Um, but it's just so convenient for me to get those mail VIP notifications. And I don't, I have very few mail VIPs anyway, that um, I decided to go ahead and go for that. How about you? Well, I'll tell you, my notification settings have changed quite a bit since I've gotten the Apple Watch. Actually, my iPhone settings have changed quite a bit since I've gotten the Apple Watch. So you may want to take mine with a little bit of a grain of salt if you don't have an Apple Watch. But I have disabled a lot of sounds on my phone, period, since getting the Apple Watch. Because pretty much from the time I get up in the morning until the time that I go to bed... Um, I've got my Apple Watch on, so the sounds aren't as important on my phone anymore. In fact, a lot of the time I just have my phone muted, so I don't get any sounds at all because I know that I'm always going to get that notification on my wrist if it's something important. So like you, I've gone through and I've turned off a lot of sounds on my phone in general because I just won't hear them. Um, but I realize that 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 may be more of a concern if you don't if you don't have an Apple Watch. That's to me that's one of the great benefits of an Apple Watch is it's basically it is my notification device for my phone, which I think is why it's even more important to have these notification wrangled uh, wrangled here. But for things that are important for me, um, and we'll talk about mail VIPs a little bit later. But mail VIPs, uh, messages, phone, calendar events, um, and then some of my. Um, uh, do events, but but that's by by do events. I mean both uh, both tasks, uh, OmniFocus, and I use do a little bit for certain things. But that's just about all that's gonna that's gonna come through. Yeah, that's about my list. Uh, another one I get is I my bank has a really my bank's app. Oh, my has bank a does too. Yeah, they, they have a really nice um, notification setting where like if a certain account dropped below a certain number and you know just different things that I would want to know about. And uh, that's nice getting those as notifications. Oh, you know, another well. one I do let through, I do let dark sky through as well because it's yeah. Florida and it rains here. Uh, you know, dark it sky doesn't rain Cal where you are in California. It doesn't matter. <laughs> you know, we, it's, it's funny. It's really hot here right now. And I was just telling somebody today, we, the, the heat in California and Southern California, seems like it goes through like October now. It starts late and it goes through October, but I don't, I don't need dark sky for, I, I may, I may not need it ever. Well, hopefully you will soon. My my new workout plan is I've I've yanked out all the grass in my yard because I am we don't have any water so I just gave up on it. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what is not important, and I would consider you know I would ask everybody to consider deleting some of these notifications from your life. Uh, I don't play games on my iOS device, period. But if you have games or if your kids have games installed on your iOS device, consider turning off notifications just blanket for your games. Um, shopping apps, I've turned off the notifications for, things like that. But but Twitter, Twitter can be a big, you've got to think of a notification. Every time your notification goes off, that's an interruption to your life. Um, just like email, that's going to be an interruption to your life. And do you really want that interruption? So how important is that notification? How important is that information that's coming through? Uh, and Twitter just doesn't make the cut for me. 
I have Twitter turned on for direct messages because um, there are a few people that that's the only way they communicate with me. And because DMs, at least the last is D do direct messages still, they aren't allowed to come from other people. Right. Right. I mean, well, unless not, you, I think unless you have the setting. Yeah. Well, anyway, so I, um, I, uh, I have that turned on, but you know, I, like you, I try to keep this stuff limited now. Now, what about the difference between the watch, the iPhone and the iPad? Um, you know, I don't have much difference. I mean, obviously a notification, my under, I believe a notification that's going to come through on my phone uh, is likely also going to come through on my watch as well. Possibly. If you've, if, if you've got your watch settings set to mirror your phone. Yeah. Well, that's I mean, true, they, possibly. And in most, ca- in most cases, I do. Yeah, that's one of the settings in the watch is you can actually thin it down even further if you want. Um and in your case, it probably doesn't make sense because there's so few coming through anyway. Um, right. And that was my first cut is I managed my notifications so aggressively on my phone first before the watch got here that I really didn't need to to manage them much further on the watch. I do not um, have the same number of notifications on my iPad. My iPad the notifications are even smaller. Yeah. You know, in fact, I keep my iPad most of the time in do not disturb mode for that reason. Okay. Well, there we go. One of the first things you can do is you can wrangle your notifications and it will improve your experience. Um, let's take a minute and talk about our exclusive sponsor today. So our uh, exclusive sponsor for this episode is our good pals over at 1Password. And I want to talk a little bit about 1Password for the Mac, because that is where I fell in love with 1Password. I've been using 1Password for Mac for years now. I think back before 1Password, was it before they got the W? One pa- I don't remember, but it was before they got one of their letters. Uh, was I was using 1Password for Mac. And this is what 1Password does is, you know, we all know that we're supposed to have not, uh, we're supposed to have strong, unique passwords for all of our sites. We know that we're not supposed to reuse passwords. We know that we're not supposed to use our cat's name for passwords, but people do because it's easy. And we don't want to have to remember all of these various passwords for the various sites because security is hard, but it's not hard with 1Password because you download the 1Password application and all you have to do is create one good, strong master password that's going to unlock the keys to all of your other passwords that it's going to take care of storing securely for all of your other websites. So you go through and you start adding all of your other websites and you start adding your passwords and it's going to start noticing things with their security audit feature. It's going to say, you know, you may want to take a look at this password. It's it's not particularly strong or, you know, you may want to take a look at these passwords because you've reused them over and over again. And then you can start going through and resetting your passwords for your various sites. But when you do reset your passwords, you can have one password automatically generate the passwords for those sites. And it can generate strong, unique passwords for all of your various websites. And when one password generates a password for a website, you don't have to worry about memorizing it because one password is going to take care of that. One password is going to remember the password for that various website. You can even give it criteria because, you know, sometimes they want uppercase and lowercase and letter and numbers and symbols and all of these other things. Just tell 1Password what you need. It will take care of creating a unique password. And then it's going to remember it. All you need to know is that one master password. And then the next time you need to go log into that site, you just use the 1Password extension from any of your web browsers. It supports all of the major ones. And 1Password is going to automatically log into that website for you. And all you have to do is unlock it using your one master password. But 1Password does more than manage your website information. It's going to allow you to store secure notes 
So you can keep information uh, about all kinds of various events or other types of information that uh, maybe is not password related securely in a place locked up in one password. You can also store your software license information in one password. So you always know where you can go to find that. Uh, you can store your credit card information. You can store information about various memberships. You can even keep copies of these documents and associate them. Like I've scanned in all my credit cards and associated that information with one password. And all of this information syncs across all of your various devices with iCloud or with Dropbox. And when you're done, you close it, you lock it up, and it is super secure, encrypted with state-of-the-art encryption. So as long as you've chosen a good master password, you don't have to worry about anybody getting access to all of this stuff. So you can find more information about one password over at their website at onepassword.com. They've got an iOS app that David's going to tell you about a little bit later. But if you can do one thing to up your security game, you definitely want to check out OnePassword. They've got it for Mac. They've got it for Windows. They've also got it for all of the, the various mobile devices. Go check them out at onepassword.com. And thanks to OnePassword for their support of the show. So I think a related subject to notifications is VIPs and, and do not disturb. And you were kind of mentioning that a minute ago. Let's start with do not disturb, because that really ties right into notifications. Um, explain how that works a little bit. So do not disturb has become, you know, I guess notifications became such a problem that people just wanted an easy button that you could use. To just turn them off and say, I, I, I don't want my phone to make noise. Just just be quiet for a little while. So think of it as, as quiet time for your phone. And and you can either activate this manually, and it's your phone, but also your iPad as well. Uh, and if you, you flip up, what is that called? It's not the launcher. Is it the control center? Is that what it, control center? Yeah, I what think that that's called? what they call it. Yeah, I think yeah. that's the name. If you, if you flip up from the bottom and activate control center, you can automatically turn your phone into, um, into do not disturb mode by, by pressing the little moon and that will put it in do not disturb mode manually and just don't forget to take it out. Um, but you can also set up quiet hours for your phone. So I've got my phone to go into do not disturb, I think between um, 10 p.m. And, and 6 a.m. or something like that. And so while your phone is in do not disturb mode, um, you can set it so that it's not going to ring and that notifications aren't going to go through. And this can either occur just blanket, nothing's going to come through, or only when your iPhone is locked and that's a setting that you can toggle. Yeah, and there's even more granularity. Like you can say that if someone's on my VIP list and they call or text, let it through. Or if I get repeated calls from the same number. So like if a family member is sick and they call and and then repeatedly call you, then it'll get through. Yeah. Um, th this is really great during the night, especially if you have friends on the other side of the world that like to text you in the middle of their day. <laughs> before uh, before we got this, I was having a problem because I've got a lot of friends over in Europe and they would always text me at like three in the morning and I would it would wake me up because the phone would start going off. Um, that's fixed now with Do Not Disturb. Uh, also, yeah. if you're going into a busy room, um, courtroom, for instance, or movies or whatever, you know, just turn it on. Yeah. One thing I do want to clarify is um, VIPs and mail are distinct from VIPs and do not disturb. In fact, they don't call it VIPs. And, and I probably caused some confusion when I when I use that term. Um, but you can create an exception list for do not disturb that you can create a, a group in your address book that anybody who's in that group can be an exception to do not disturb. So if you get a text or if you get a phone call from them, those calls are going to come through. Now, I just happened to set up a group in my address book on my Mac or my iPhone or whatever, because it all syncs up, that I personally called VIP. And then within the do not disturb setting, 
I said, anybody in this address book can get through. And and so that that group may be different from your male VIPs that we'll talk about in a minute, because um, there may be people who are male VIPs that I don't necessarily want calling me at 3 a.m. But yeah, there are and- also are additional people that I want to add to that list. Like, you know, for example, um, when my grandfather was ill, I, I put the number, I, I had the number of the local hospital in my phone because they called. So I saved that and I put them in the VIP. You know, I put the number of the alarm company, you know, so if my alarm company ever calls me, they're always going to get through, you know, so I put certain numbers in there. Yeah. And the, the thing is, it, you know, you're tempted not to add numbers to these things because you don't want to, you know, grow the the pool of people that can call you two in the morning too big. But just remember, you can always unhook people from this too. I mean, you can add someone to it for a month and then take them off. None of this stuff is that difficult to change. And another one, I think I use the term VIPs too, is what I meant was favorites. You know, you have the favorites list for your phone. Right. You could also just say anybody on the favorites list can get through. Um, but you can go as, as deep with this as you want, but uh, do not disturb if you're not using it, you should, because, you know, when you're asleep, you don't want to have your phone rattling off through the night. Um, and and then the next related topic to that is the male VIPs. And I am, you know, male VIPs are one of the reasons why I find it really hard to separate myself from Apple Mail, because it's just so convenient. Uh, the way it works is you can have certain people that um, you can designate as a VIP. And the way you do that depends on the platform you're at. In fact, if you read my mail book, you'd know all about it. But it's really simple. Like if you hold on a name in, in the uh, Apple Mail app on the phone, or if you just click on the star, I believe there's a little star to the left of their name. I don't have it open right now. Yeah, in the, ma- mail in the mail.app, yeah. In, in, on the Mac. So, you know, there's a lot of ways you can designate someone as one of these VIPs. But what it does is it, it, it really allows the program to know that that's a special person and for instance, um, like I'm, I'm anti notifications for mail in general. I don't want to hear a ding or something happen every time a new email comes in. But if someone that I've designated as a VIP, I definitely want to know. So Katie is a VIP, for instance. And so once in a while, when we're planning a show, one of us mails each other to say I'm running late or whatever. That's one of the that's a good use of male VIPs. Um, I think it's a great feature and it works across all the, the major Apple platforms. So you get it on your um, your Mac, your iPhone, or your iPad. And it's a really good way to have sane mail notifications. Male VIPs have have completely changed my game on my iPhone. And I think if there's one takeaway from the, if you if you do only one thing that we we talk about in the show, I think male VIPs is it. If you do only two things, I think it's male VIPs and wrangle your notifications because they they kind of go hand in hand. But I, I the the thing that goes hand in hand though with designating male VIPs is you've got to designate people as VIPs, but then you have to go into the notification settings and you have to turn off the notifications for people that aren't VIPs. And so that's the magical second half of this is you can you can customize your notifications within the the notification settings specifically for VIPs. So if you go into settings and then you go into the mail app. What you're going to do is you're going to turn off the sounds. You're going to turn off, well, specifically the sounds. You're going to turn off maybe the badges. You're going to turn off maybe the alerts. You're going to turn off everything else, preferably, but it's up to you, you know, whatever you're comfortable with for all of your your mail, except you're going to set custom settings and customs notifications for your VIPs. And that means that you're only going to get notified. You're only going to get that ding 
when a VIP comes through. And what that's going to keep you from doing is having this Pavlovian type response where your phone dings because you got a spam message notifying you uh, that you've just won the Nigerian lottery. And then you stop whatever you're doing. You stop the conversation that you're having and you go and grab your phone and boy, have you just, you know, wasted time. Uh, so I, I think this is huge. And the other thing about VIPs is you can turn them on and off, you know, make someone a VIP when they need to be. And when they're not, because whatever you're doing with it is past, demote them. Yeah. Like if you've got a customer when you're getting ready to close a big deal, you might make that customer a VIP for the next couple of weeks and then later not, you know, so it's, um, it's really easy. And, and this stuff isn't rocket science. Like in the Apple app, I, Apple mail app on the Mac, I was just looking while Katie was talking to make new notification messages for VIPs. It's in the general tab of the preferences. It's real simple. And, um, so it, it's not hard to do. And once again, makes the experience better. Right. Um, uh, how many VIPs do you think you have at any one point? Six to eight. Yeah, see, I've got about twenty, so I'm a little more liberal with it with the VIP tag. Uh, but I um, but I, I, you know, I I prune it. <laughs> you know, if sometimes I'll have somebody I put on there for a temporary amount of time and forget, and then the next time they send me a message, it comes through, and then I'll I'll go and unVIP them. But yeah. uh, this stuff, none of this stuff we're talking about here is going to take a lot of your time, but all of it will save you, you know, in the long run. Yeah. Um, I, I was able to prune them a lot when I changed jobs. I was like, goodbye to you, goodbye to you, goodbye to you. <laughs> Wasn't that kind of therapeutic? Yes, it was. It was like, bye-bye. I, uh, I had the I no longer experience. have to respond to you. <laughs> I had a very similar experience a few months back, and it felt pretty good. Yeah. Um, uh, the other thing that you can do that I don't think we, we touched on, and I think it was released in iOS 7, so it's it's about a year or so old now, is or I guess two years old now, uh, is that you can now designate a thread, and it's not, it's they use a different term. But you can turn on notifications specific to an email thread. So if someone is not a VIP and you don't particularly want to make them a VIP, but you're in the midst of an email conversation with them that is particularly important and you're expecting uh, a response from them, on iOS, you can um, set specific notifications within the mail app for a single thread uh, and then receive an, a ding or a notification when someone replies to that thread, which is which is also helpful. Yeah. Yeah. So set those up as well, gang. Uh, let's talk about the network settings. That's another thing I think a lot of people don't spend any time on, but it could help them. Yeah. Uh, one one thing that I didn't realize, and I, I, I doubt this is many Mac Power users listeners, but I see it with a lot of new iOS device owners. Uh, is how many people actually don't take the time to connect to their home Wi-Fi network so that their iPhone or iPad auto connects to their home Wi-Fi. And instead they're just, because, you know, they're connected to a cellular data plan and their iPhone or their iPad works. And instead they're just burning through data. Yeah, that so would be bad. So that's step one. <laughs> yeah. I, now, I, it's been a while since I had a new iPhone out of the box. when, But last time I did, they had the setting that says, you know, search for uh, or ask to join networks, you know, that yeah. setting in the auto connect. Yeah. And so every time as you're walking around and your phone picks up a network, it says, Hey, I just found a network at Starbucks. Would you like me to join it? I think that, um, that would make me crazy. I turn that off. If I want to join a network, I'll look for it when I need it. Yeah. What about you? I, I also turn this off. I tell you, this is one that I kept on, um, when I first got my iPhone 
or when I first moved to a new place, which hasn't been in a while. But when I was new and when I was exploring both my iPhone and a, and a new area, I would turn this on because I wanted to be aware of new Wi-Fi networks. But then it was one that, you know, after I was comfortable in an area, I turned it off because it got on my nerves. This may be a wives' tale, and it may not be true anymore. But I know at one point, uh, leaving that on was actually would drain your battery faster because the radio was always pinging around to all the Wi-Fi networks trying to find some place to connect. And I was told this with some authority by somebody who would know several years ago, but they may have fixed that in iOS in the intervening years. But that's another reason why I probably wouldn't keep it on. Um. The uh, the other thing that I think is important is is not only looking out for networks but also abandoning bad networks. The um the uh, there is a a place we go as a family that has you know free Wi Fi. It's it's a place we go and and um I trusted it enough to sign up for it once. But what I didn't realize is that it's terrible Wi Fi. I mean it's it's dreadfully slow. And then we went back there recently, and I noticed I like I even just to check email, I wasn't I could see the message, but it wouldn't like get the text. It was just slowly pulling down, I guess one pixel at a time or something. Um, so, and the re I couldn't understand why is my phone so slow. And I looked up, and I said, of course, the little Wi-Fi symbol is in the in the phone's menu bar. And I said, okay, I have connected to a Wi-Fi that is bad. So if you go to the Wi-Fi settings on your phone and hit the little um, the arrow on the right side, it opens up another screen, and and there's a button there that says forget this network. And um, if you run into an errant network that's a really good idea to do. So for at that location I was at, I went ahead and said, forget this network. And now every time I go there, it just remains on LTE and I'm fine. Yeah. And then sometimes if you're having trouble with a network, you may want to disconnect from it, tell it to forget the network and then, and perhaps rejoin it. That's a, that's a troubleshooting tip that I use from time to time. Uh, the other thing that you, you may want to consider to, to tweak your network settings uh, is consider a VPN app. Um, we've talked about a couple in the past, you know, Tunnel Bear is a, a sponsor of the of the show and they've got a VPN app uh, for iOS. Cloak is another one that we've talked about in the past. But if you're, these are apps that you, you download and then you're going to install and um, they're going to add a, what's it called? Is it a security certificate? Um, but to allow you to connect to their, their VPN service. Um, but that will allow you to then uh, VPN through your network settings. And that's kind of something that you probably want to set up in advance before you need it, because it can, it can take a few minutes to, to get set up. And that way, if you're on kind of fishy Wi-Fi, um, you know that you can either just flip on or sometimes it will auto connect on your, your VPN. You just flip on your VPN and you know you've got a little extra protection. Yeah, that, that's what actually surprised me in the story I just told uh, that I had some at some point join that network because that's actually not like me. Usually when I go out in public, even when there is free Wi-Fi, I just don't do it because um, I don't want someone to you know fish my email or something like that um uh when i do do it i i use a service like tunnel bear but it's um that's i guess that's really a whole nother story we will have to we've done security shows on that in the past but you can get in trouble on wi-fi that you know isn't something you control um speaking of not being on Wi-Fi, if you're not going to be on Wi-Fi, it's it is particularly important to manage your data use. This is this is getting to be a little bit less of a deal as we're we're starting to see um, much larger data plans. But we we do still most of us have have data caps on our networks. 
Yeah, and it's um even with the bigger plans, it's still easy to get in trouble because, you know, the movies and the pictures and all the stuff we look at, those are getting better. So you're you're pulling more data all the time. Uh in my family there's four of us and we are um we sometimes hit it hit against our our data plan, which is kind of crazy. Uh but there's ways to manage that as well. If you go into settings and cellular, you can you can control some of the things that get data and some of the things that don't. There's a good app for it I want to recommend. I've I've been using this one in particular for a little while. It's called Data Man Next. So that's one word, data man, and then the next word is next. And it's a data manager app. And I think I paid all of about a buck for it. And it's just really well done. It it you know, like well, for it's instance, a, it, it's a tracking app. It will tell you how much data you've used. Yeah, exactly. And uh, so so I can put in there like that my bill, my my uh, month with my carrier starts on the fifth of the month every month so i can put in there and then it'll track how much data i've used on the device since then it does a pretty good job i don't think any of these are exactly right you know uh but it it does a good enough job to kind of keep an eye on things so if you're you know if you're worried about hitting your your uh your data cap that's a, a good app to run i use it most often when i travel because when i travel i use a lot of data um there's also you can get the apps directly from the companies yeah, for example, I've I've got Verizon and I think AT&T is something similar, but Verizon has an app, especially if you're on a share plan, will tell you not only how much you've used, but how much everybody else on the share plan has used. So you know um, pretty close to how much data has been used and how many days are left in the cycle. The only thing you have to be careful of is sometimes those aren't always updated right away. So there may be a little lag time. So you have to build that in. Yeah, and sometimes but, it can be a couple of days. So if you're on a vacation, you'd be surprised. Yeah, I, I do want to go back to, because you, you just brushed over it a little bit, but if, if you go into set settings and into the cellular settings, um, because there is a lot in there uh, in the cellular settings that that you can tweak. Um, a couple of things that it will tell you um, is it will tell you how much cellular data you used in the current period, except here's the thing, and I keep waiting for Apple to fix this or to have an option in here that this will automatically reset. Um, you know, for example, it says I've used 2.9 gigabytes in the current period. That's not right because I have never reset this or I haven't reset this in a while. I've, I've clearly reset it at some point. I wish Apple would go in and make a setting to say reset this on the 18th of every month or or whatever, but you can't currently do that. But, you know, if, if for example, and you can use this as a troubleshooting tool, you know, I've, I've gone through um, and, and had instances where I've, I've been churning through data and I haven't been sure why, but you can go in there and you can reset your statistics to reset everything back to zero and you'll get an idea from that point forward how much cellular data you're using. And then specifically, if you go down below that, it will show you individually each app that's using cellular data. You can toggle on cellular data use on and off, and then it will show you how much cellular data that app is using. Like, you know, I think the app for me that's probably using the most cellular data right now, I, th I think is mail. Um, and so obviously mail is something that I want to continue to be able to use cellular data. So, so I leave that on, but you know, you'll be surprised, you know, some apps in there that, that maybe you don't want using cellular data. Like for example, my podcast app, I don't want to accidentally end up streaming app, you know, I don't want to end up accidentally streaming podcast over cellular data. You know, so I've gone in and I've, I've turned off, I've just turned off blanketly um, cellular data for my various podcasts. So I know that I'm not going to accidentally, you know, use cellular data for those things. And you can kind of get an idea of where your pain points are and where you're using data. And if you have an errant month where things go a little bit crazy, um, you can get an idea of what happened and what went wrong. 
Yeah. If, if something has gone errant, this is the place you'll find out. Um, okay. So we managed your data. You know, another thing you can do, and this is something I recommend. If you haven't recently, I would call your cellular carrier and find out, you know, what's going on. Because suddenly these guys really want to keep your business. And all the carriers are coming out with new deals and options that, that may help you. I mentioned on the show once about a year and a half ago or so I had, we had a 15 gigabyte plan, which I know sounds kind of outrageous, but family of four, you know, teenagers and me. Um, so, so we were getting by just fine with the 15. I got a thing in the mail and we're with AT&T and they said, Hey, we'll, we'll double your data and no strings attached. And I said, that doesn't make any sense. So I actually drove in because I thought this would be useful. And they said, no, I didn't have to sign a new contract. Nothing got extended. They just doubled my data. So for the last year and a half, we've had 30 gigabytes in our house. It's crazy, right? Until you your should... kids found out. Yeah. Well, they, they still are okay. But I, I would be, um, I, I think you should, if you haven't looked into this recently, you should, because suddenly the data caps are getting bigger and, and strange options are available that are going to make managing data, you know, much easier because you're going to have more of it to manage. Yeah. Well, and I think just it, it's a good idea in general, not only to reconsider your data plan, but, you know, every now and then just just do a gut check and, and you know, take a look at your plan in general. Um, a couple of months ago, I was looking at my plan and I decided that, you know, I really didn't need the plan that I was on. I actually ended up getting rid of my individual plan um, and hopped on my family's plan. And that was a significant savings for me. You know, my family had this big family plan. They had an open spot. They weren't using but a fraction of their data. You know, I had this big plan that I was using all on my own. And, you know, we just looked at each other and said, gosh, this can be mutually beneficial for, for all of us. Um, and went in and, and talked to the people and what are the pros and cons and what are the benefits and how is this going to hurt us if we do this? And, it, you know, it turned out being being a great deal. And, um, you know, we're we're all benefiting from it. Yeah. So, I mean, check. it's just weird how they care about customer um, service all of a sudden. Well, oh, you know, or, I, you know, they're not going to, they, they may not call you and tell you that, hey, there's a better, op- we, we've looked and there's a better option for you. Yeah. I, you know, I've had actually really good care by AT&T over the years, e- even though I know some people hate it. And I guess it depends where you live, but you know, where I live, we have good enough coverage and in customer service wise, they've always taken really good care of us. So. Um, listen, let's take another break because we have more to talk about. But before we do, I want to talk again a little bit about our exclusive sponsor today, and that's our friends over at One Password. And as Katie explained earlier, One Password really is the the go to security app because it allows you to have safe and secure passwords, but it takes all the work out of it. So it's almost like cheating. You know, you get security with convenience and there's not many places you can do that. Um, but not only do they have this great Mac app, but I think it's almost even more important how great they are on the iPhone and the iPad, because in the mobile devices, security is even more important. If someone picks up your phone, you don't want them to get all of your website logins. I mean, that's one of my big beefs with the, um, the Apple, you know, when Apple tries to automatically insert passwords for you, it's like, I don't want anybody that picks up my phone to be able to open Safari and do that. I want it to be harder. And one password does that. You, you can, you've got a one password lock that you can lock up the one password application and all those great passwords you've made. Uh, it also uses the fingerprint 
you know, scanner on the power button so you can get into that very quickly. And the other thing you need mobily even more than on your Mac is a way to just secure other data that's important to you. Like, you know, if you have a list of your kids' social security numbers or, you know, email passwords or things that you just don't want anybody that can pick up your phone to be able to read. Uh, one password fully supports that as well and it's all behind that secure lock with that password or your thumbprint that prevents other people from getting into it now the gang at one password has been on board with ios since ios first existed and they've always been pushing the envelope to make great applications that hasn't changed they still make some of the best applications for the iphone the ipad and of course they've also arrived on the watch and one like one of the features i don't know if we've even mentioned this on the show but you know when you need like a one-time password or like an authenticator type password when you've got a two-factor authentication you know one password can generate that for you now and i just recently had a case to do that and i didn't realize it but they can even push that down to my apple watch because they of course they've got support for the apple watch and it really felt like living in the future when i was able to look at my watch to get my super secret authentication code all that's been made possible because of all the hard work that people do at the one password team they are absolutely you know just anal retentive about making the best possible most secure way to store and create your passwords but it does go so much further with all of the you know like the folders and the tags and you know the browser integration and all the things that you can do on ios with this application so go check it out you can get it in the app store they've got a version for the iphone the ipad and the watch and you know get the pro version you're in there with all that stuff it's an amazing application i use it every day every person that i introduce to it uses it and loves it even the non-nerds still thank me you know how katie got that free lunch earlier i've got many free meals because i recommended one password to people my wife she's like the biggest fan of it and she's not into geeky things at all but she can appreciate how important this is so gang uh, go check it out if you haven't tried it yet please do go try it because you're going to really love it. And if you already are a believer, find someone in your life that you can turn on to 1Password because you're really doing them a service. And as the world gets more dangerous, there's nothing better than having a company like 1Password at your back. Check it out. Thanks, 1Password, for all of the support of Mac Power users. All right, so we've uh, we've got our data under control. We've got our notifications under control. We've we've got our networks under control, um, and maybe it's time to like actually personalize our device a little bit and, and oh, okay. make it pretty. All right, so um, I I take mine and then I put like little flowers on it all over the place, little stickers. I think you totally should do that. Yeah, don't you actually? You? I think <laughs> I don't put stickers on my phone, but you actually do put a sticker on your phone, don't you? I have in the past. Uh, the current one, I don't. Uh, usually, I just t- take a label maker and I just write David Sparks and put um, a phone number on it. Usually not like not a, your iPhone number? Exactly. It's my wife's phone number or something, you know. Or I could put an email address, too. And that has saved my bacon a few times. But um, I just, I hate the way it looks so much. I'll never forget one time I left it in a convenience store. You know, went in and bought, like, potato chips or something. And got in the car and we drove like two miles down the road my wife's phone rang and they said hey your phone is sitting here wow. and, you know and people a lot of people aren't going to be able to figure out what number to call so if you just put a sticker on it that's the way to go yeah that's that's pretty foolproof that's also really good for your mac by the way if you've got a laptop because you're never going to look at it at the bottom of your laptop so that's an even better excuse to put it there 
Yeah. I I have not gotten, I guess I could now that I, I keep the Apple leather case on my phone. I could put a sticker on the back of my phone behind the case, but I don't know that people would actually take the case off to find the sticker. <laughs> so, um, you know, like I, like I said, I, I just don't do it anymore because I don't like the way it looks, but I think I probably should. Well, here's, you, here's you, another you know, option for you. I do have yeah. an option. Um, I use an app called Contact Lock Screen, and I think I actually have I've written it up before, so I'll, I'll put a link in the show notes to it. Um, but, you know, one of the easy ways that, that you can do this is a lot of people, you know, you you've get a custom wallpaper for your home screen, and you can edit that custom wallpaper. You can take it into a program like Pixelmator, um, and you can just put your contact information on that wallpaper so that it, you know, it shows through. And so when someone's looking at your lock screen, they'll see your contact information. But it's even using a, a program like Pixelmator, it's it's kind of a pain because you're not quite sure exactly where it's going to line up and does this look good and is it transparent and, um, you know, is is this going to just look nice. But Contact Lock Screen is an app. I think it's a dollar or two. It's, it's really inexpensive that specifically will will take a photo out of your camera roll and it will uh, put whatever text you want on that photo um, and then save it back to your camera roll. And it is pre-formatted and designed so that the text will be in a nice position right above the swipe so that, you know, where you swipe to unlock. And so you just get two lines of text. So I've got my name and if found a phone number and an email address. Uh, so that anybody who turns on my phone and looks at it will know immediately where it goes. And it's good typography and it's really simple to use. So that's a good, that's a good idea. Um, uh, do you want to talk about icon placement and how we do our home screens or have we, well, have we gone over that ground already? We, we did a show on it, but I think the thing that we should talk about is that you should do it, right? Yeah, more or less. <laughs> I mean, well, tell about yours first, because you, you've gone a little crazy on me. Yeah, so um, I have one screen now, and I really, really like it. So oh, I... Okay, explain explain. For <laughs> I, I got this idea from CGP Gray. Um, you know, he and Mike now do a new show here on Relay called Cortex. And one of the things that they talked about was their home screen. And he's a little picky. I don't know if you've you've realized that yet about certain things. Um, so he is very particular about the way that he likes his, his home screen to look. And I am not that particular. But he, he had this great philosophy of having only only one item on your only one screen of apps. And, you know, the more I think about it, I really only use the stuff on my home screen. And the secondary screen was just kind of apps that I didn't particularly care about. And everything else, you know, if it's if it's not on the home screen, gosh, I'm just going to search for it. You know, I'm going to search for it using Spotlight and, or is, is it Siri search now? I don't remember. But, you know, that's gotten so much better now in, in iOS 9, even even in iOS uh, 8 where we are now, that it's just, you know, if it's if it's buried in a folder, I, I don't really care. So I've got my home screen. I've got one, two, three, four, five rows of icons. And then my top row is is four folders. And I've labeled these four folders utility, Leisure, productivity, and information. Those were the full four, uh, four names that I could think of that were kind of very general that I could get four of them. Um, and everything else that doesn't make the cut um, for those 20 icons, or I guess, um, you know, 24 if you count the home screen, if you don't make the cut for the rest of the screen, you go on one of those four folders. 
And obviously the, the, the nine most important apps go on the first screen of those folders. And usually those I just, I just punch in. But if you're not on the, on the home screen or if you're not on the first screen of one of those four folders, then I search for you in Spotlight. I'm, so I, I do, um, for years, I've done it where I have a, my screen, two screens and screen one is all just apps. It's my home screen and screen two is a list of folders, but it's more than four and they're named, you know, like there's a folder for audio and a folder for photography. And then I would just go and kind of dig through those as I needed. Sometimes I don't remember the names is the problem. Um, when you said you were doing this, the thing that concerned me was it seemed like it might take a long time if I consolidated, you know, I think it's 10 folders or 12 folders down to, um, to four that I would be spent a lot of time, you know, swiping through those, trying to get to the appropriate app. So Have you had that problem. Well, wait, are you talking about, it would take you a long time to create the home screen or you mean well, every day when you're going to do it? I, I think actually both of those things, as you were telling me, I was thinking, boy, that must've been a big job to, you know, copy. And it, it should be so much easier to do this, but it's just not, you've got to, you know, cl- hold down and drag from one folder to the next. That must've taken a bit of work. Well, to answer that question first, it, it was a little bit of a pain, but it was less than, than 30 minutes or so. I mean, I just did it one day while I was kind of watching TV. You know, there was something on that I was kind of about half watching. We all do kind of mindless stuff on our phones while we're watching TV. So that's what I did one day. I had something going on on TV and I I just did that. So that wasn't that big a deal. You know, you do it once and you're done. Um, All right. So my next question is when you're using it every day, do you find yourself sometimes just you know, scrolling through the Never. various pages of those folders? Never. So here, here's the thing. So you've got your, um, you've basically got 24 icons that are just straight icons, right? You know, you've got your, your home row, which kind of loses importance a little bit, but you've got your home row and then you've got the other uh, four rows or five rows of four icons before you get to the top row, which is folders, right? And then yeah. you've got the top row, which is four folders. And in iOS 8, I'm not sure if this changes in iOS 9, but in iOS 8, in each of those four folders, I can visibly see nine icons. Like, so for example, in my utilities folder, um, the nine icons that I can see is Apple Watch, Clock, uh, Calendar Paste, I think is what that is, uh, Passbook, Deliveries, Screens, Time Zones, Apple Store, or App Store, and iTunes Store. And so those are my nine most frequently used things in the utilities folder. So if I wanted to to launch the deliveries app, likely what I'm going to do is I'm going to tap the utilities folder and then I'm going to tap the deliveries app. So two taps, I'm in the deliveries app. But if I'm going to open any other thing that's in that utilities folder, which is likely something that's that would have been in a folder in screen two regardless, then I'm just going to search for it in Spotlight. I mean, how many of the things that are in folders on screen two, I'm closer than you are because you swipe over to screen two, you tap into a folder, and then you start going through your folders. I mean, how many, how do you use Spotlight at all to search? Yeah, I do, but I don't always remember the names of the apps. Like photography is a good example. I have several apps in there that do effects on pictures, and I don't remember, you know, like I can remember Waterlog right now, but I know there's two or three others that I have that I just can't remember the name. So, for instance, where are your photography apps in those four folders? I don't have photography apps. If you I don't. if I did, they would probably be in Leisure. So, what what were the four again? 
utilities, and, and you can customize these. These are just but the names that I, I came I'm up curious. with. I'm curious. I know you thought about it. Yeah. So what are they? Utilities, leisure, productivity, and information. Okay. So information includes like the health app, news apps, Dark Sky is in there, CNN is in there. Um, like my bank app is in there because that's information. Um, my um, like PayPal is in there. Like Fly Delta is in there. Um, but but here's the other thing. This also gives me the ability to use page two as a second launcher page. So when I um, when I was traveling on vacation last week, I'm sorry, last month, I pulled out. And I'm not sure that this, you know, is something that I would do frequently, but for special occasions, I can pull certain apps out of their folder and temporarily put them on page two. So I temporarily put like the Fly Delta app and um, the Flight Tracker app. And I think there was something else that I put on, pay- oh, the um, the Noise Machine app, you know, things that I were co- was constantly using for that week that I was on vacation. I just stuck those over on page two. So I could swipe over and have easy access to them, but I don't use those apps every day. I use those apps once a year. And then so for the rest of the year, they go back in their folders. Well, you know what, Katie Floyd, you got me interested. Have I sold you? I'm going to try it and I'll let you know. I'll report back. But it sounds to me like you're happy with with it. I'm really happy. I don't think I'd go back. Um, No, I'm I'm really happy. I mean, and and when you think about it, there there are actually there are probably other apps now that I could take. I mean, how many apps do you really need on your home screen? There are probably other apps that I could take off. The other piece of that is if you feel like you're you're losing something, I, I added Launcher onto my home screen or Launch Center Pro, but throw Launch Center Pro in there. Yeah, but that, I mean that adds another level of abstraction. Although, well, that's I'd... one tap, two taps to open yeah. something, or you know. Yeah. Okay. Well, sounds like fun. I'll give it a try and report back. The um, uh, one thing I would I'd mention with iOS nine is on the iPad, the folders get bigger. So you'll like that. You can put more apps in a folder on the iPad with yeah. iOS nine. I don't think I would want to on the iPhone though. Yeah. No, I mean, I it's, there's no room. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I want to talk about, this isn't uh, personalization so much as I think near and dear to every iOS user's heart is, you know, the, the constant fear that your battery is going to die. And um, there is a way to deal with that. I mean, there are some steps you can take to optimize the battery life. On Have your iPhone chargers and everywhere. Yeah, that, that's a good one. <laughs> I mean, those, those batteries, those portable batteries aren't that expensive. And um, I know in my family, they've kind of grown, you know, like the stumps, you know, how we keep getting these stumps to hold these things up. The um, uh, we also keep getting batteries and they're not that expensive. And, you know, like Anchor, I'm a big fan of. How many of those do you have, Katie? Uh, little I, 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 uh, three. But I'm just yeah. one person. I mean, you yeah. have you have four people in your house. I have two that are mine, but. Um, but my guess is you don't have 12 batteries, so you'd have to have, you know, 12 to beat me. Yeah, exactly. And and frankly, we, we kind of share around in the family. You know, when my daughter's going on somewhere for a few days, I let her take the big one. You know, so we, we just kind of share them around. But uh, they aren't that expensive. They aren't that heavy to carry around. Most of them charge on a micro USB port. So get some extra batteries uh, yeah. whenever you're going somewhere where it's going to be important to you. Like I sometimes when I go to Disneyland, I just carry a little anchor in my pocket and I have a little cord. And if I need it, I got it. Yeah. See, uh, but, I, I have like I have like the small lipstick one that I keep in my purse that just yeah. stays there. And then I have the real the big one that I keep in my travel bag that stays there. And then I have the kind of normal size one that's like the size a little bit smaller than a deck of cards. That's the one that I just kind of take around. 
Yeah. And have you noticed that, I mean, those things are, they hold a charge for a long time. I mean, if you charge it up and carry it around for a couple of weeks, you're still going to be okay. Yeah. And I actually, I have a, a recurring task in my OmniFocus uh, task list to recharge all my batteries. There you go. I think I do it once every two or three months. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I, I would, they get, they get used enough that they get charged easily within every, every, all of them get charged about every couple of weeks in our house. But um, when you have kids, that's a, it's kind of a weird thing about kids is they just, they always run their phones down to almost, you know, it's always in the red. It seems like, like we're getting in the car going somewhere and, and their phones are like at 5% each. Yeah. And then, then they argue about who gets the uh, charger. In fact, I solved that problem recently too. Um, after I think we did the show with Liana, I bought a couple of those anchor um, uh, DC, you know, the car chargers that has two ports in it. Mm hmm. And I bought um, I bought a pile of the Amazon Essentials uh, lightning cables. <laughs> yeah. So so now in both of our family cars, we've got uh, we've got a we've got a way to charge like three phones at once in each car, <laughs> which is good. Anyway, um, the, but let's forget about batteries for a minute. Let's just talk about kind of settings and usage. Um, for instance, you know what uses up your battery the most? It's your screen usually. You know the the you know lighting up all those little pixels uses a lot of battery life. So, you know, what can you do to, to solve that problem? One of the things you can do is you can turn down brightness. You know, if you, if you're going to be out on a long day and you anticipate your phone's going to get a lot of usage and you want to make sure you have enough battery life, turn down your brightness. And if you turn it down a, a little bit, it will significantly help your battery and it probably is going to look just fine. Um, iOS 9 is even better at dealing with the screen. Like one of the things they're going to do with iOS 9 is like when your phone is face down because it's got a sensor, it knows uh, it's not going to light up the screen when you get a notification because it knows it's just, you know, facing a table or something. So that's not going to get seen by any human eyes. Um, they've done all sorts of under the hood stuff to kind of help keep the screen usage down. Another one is radios. You want to talk about that? Radios. Definitely drain your battery. Um, you know, Wi-Fi radios, cellular radios, Bluetooth radios. Um, so do you keep all of these on? I mean, I tend to keep them on. You have to have more of these on now. So I tend to keep all of mine on unless I'm I'm having an issue. Because you got to have Bluetooth on now and, and Wi-Fi for your watch. And I, I always have cellular on. I, I really don't turn any of my radios off. Well, uh, that's that's right. Generally, you want to keep them on. But if you are on a day where you, you know, you don't have your extra battery and it's really key that you save battery life, you can be selective with that. Like if let's say you're out and at the let's say you go to a baseball game or something and they don't have Wi-Fi there, uh, you could turn the Wi-Fi off and that will help save your battery. Now, the, the problem you get into is you turn off the Wi-Fi because you're at the baseball game and then you get home and you forget to turn Wi-Fi back on and three or four days go by and you burn through a bunch of your data because you thought you were on your home Wi-Fi the whole time. So you got to remember when you start fiddling with batteries, but that's one way to, to kind of re, uh, with radios, but that's one way to preserve your battery. Um, even just using something like airplane mode, if you're really, you know, in mission critical, you got to save the battery life. Although the phone stops being a phone in a lot of ways when you go into airplane mode. Um, I, I wish that the, that the iPhone was smarter about this kind of stuff. Like, uh, what if I wanted to say when I'm at home and it detects my home Wi-Fi network, it turns the Wi-Fi radio on, even if it's been off, you know, things like that, I think would be really nice. Hey, here's a tip. Did you know, um, that if you're in a pinch and you need to charge your phone quickly, 
that if you put it into airplane plane mode, it will charge faster? No. Why is that? Well, because everything's off. Okay. It's not using as much. So it's not drinking while it's right. filling up. I, yeah. would ima- I would imagine this would also be true if you just turned it off. Yeah. And charged uh, it. But I don't think you can do that, though. I think if you turn it off and you plug it into a charger, it turns it on. It might. Yeah. But, it, but uh, put it in airplane mode and charge it. Yeah. Another way to save battery life is, you know, have the phone less busy. You know, all the stuff we've been talking about here, like if you had fewer notifications and, and some of these things, it would actually save battery life. Uh, app updates is a is a big culprit. If you have automatically doing app updates, and you've got a lot of apps. It's going to be, you know, firing off to do stuff like that. Um, iCloud settings is another one, you know, because iCloud is so involved and so enmeshed in the operating system. If you've got it syncing data for all of your applications, it's going to, it's going to keep the phone busier and it's going to use the battery up quicker. Um, one of the things that's really nice coming down the road for us is this with iOS nine, they're going to have what they call low power mode. And it's going to, it's, I've, you know, I've got the beta running, so I can tell you it's there. It's pretty cool. Um, when you uh, get to a certain power level, it's going to say, hey, you know, your phone is running out of battery. Can I put it in low power mode? And you say yes. And the phone still works, so you can still make and receive calls. But, you know, all the under the hood stuff at, that, at Apple that they've learned about batteries over the years goes into effect. And it's going to be much better at um, preserving your battery life. And I don't know exactly what it all does. I haven't even really tested it yet, but... But that does exist, and it'll it'll kind of give you the warning and turn itself on. Actually, you you have the option to turn it on when you get to a certain percentage. Awesome! I'm really looking forward to that. And because remember, they can pull levers that you didn't even know existed. Yeah, in fact, that's what they said, right? Something like that. Yeah, that is what they when said. announced it. Yeah. Um. What about the you know the thing about running your battery all the way down? I you know I don't know. Apple says that you really don't have to worry about doing this anymore. Um. Have you found, I have found that my battery life is not as good now that I've got the watch. I, I'm sure that's just because I'm, I'm using things more, but you know, how, how much have you found really that your battery suffers? You know, well, you never get to two-year-old iPhone, do you? No. Never mind. <laughs> Isn't that nice? <laughs> but the, uh, I, um, the, the, the watch has not seemed to affect my, my battery life much. I think that may be because the watch keeps the phone in my pocket a lot more which probably offsets the additional usage for the radios to can, you know, to send messages to the watch. But, um, I, I haven't seen a big difference, yeah. but, but the, the whole thing about turning it, running the battery all the way down. I mean, it's, I guess there's, uh, it depends where we are in, in battery technology. That used to be definitely a big deal. I think it's less of a deal now. And I'm sure I will I, hear about this. I think from, it's much more of a deal in, in laptops than it is in iOS devices because your laptops are much more likely. I mean, your iOS device is constantly discharging. I mean, you're, you're much less likely to keep your iPhone plugged in all the time than you are your laptop. I mean, I, I have noticed that I have not been as good of a steward with my laptop battery. Uh, as I have been, um, as I should have been. And that's one of the reasons why I've got this fruit juice app with it. But um, I think it's less of an issue with an iPhone because that's, for me, most hours of the day that's running down. And I'm not sure how much benefit I would get from occasionally running the battery down because it's a phone. You know, I want it to be available. I I don't want to risk running out somewhere. So I'm going to only run it down under very controlled circumstances. And for, so for the so few times that I'm going to do that, I don't think I'm going to get that much benefit. I think in order to get benefits, you're going to have to 
be religious about it. And I'm just, I'm not going to do that because to me, having the phone ready and reliable and charged is more important. I'm so anal retentive about keeping my phone charged. I was talking about those chargers I have in the car today. I am. Um, I had, I was working from home in the morning. Then I had a bunch of meetings to go to and my phone is sitting in a charger on my desk as I'm working. And then I get in the car and it's plugged into a charger in the car. So it, I, you know, I arrived to my location at lunchtime today and it's already, it's got a hundred percent battery in it at that point. And, you know, basically anytime I'm near someplace I can charge my phone, I plug it in. Yeah. I don't well, know if I'm just, a weirdo just, that way. You've just been trained to do that. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, let's talk about accessibility because that's, that's actually an angle to this that we haven't ever really discussed. No. And, you know, we've talked about before, I would, I would really love to do a show with somebody, even if it's just an MPU live about accessibility um, and, and the iPhone and apps and, and things like that. Uh, uh, Katie, I'm working on it. You're got, working on it. I, know I you're, got a great guest lined up. You, is, that's coming. Perfect. All right. Perfect. But um, the thing that I want to talk about more generally is accessibility is really for everybody, Um, whether it's just, you know, maybe you're getting to the point where some reading glasses would be helpful and you want to bump up the the text size on your iPhone. Um, Or maybe it's because you keep the notifications and the sounds turned off on your iPhone and you'd like to have uh, your flash signal uh, when you've when you've got a, a notification or something that wants your attention. Uh, But there are some great settings in accessibility that can be beneficial to everyone. So I just encourage people um, to go into the accessibility settings and just take a look around and and see what's there and and what might be helpful. Uh, A couple specifically that that you may want to look at um, is if you go into accessibility, um, one option specifically to look at is larger text. Um, you can make the default text size on the on the iPhone larger and bolder. And so if you're getting to the point where you're having a little trouble seeing the text on the iPhone, that that might be uh, I am I'm resisting the urge to do this, but that might be a, a good first step. Um, you can also make the text bold. And some people like um, to create button shapes because sometimes it's hard to discern exactly what is a button on the iPhone and what's not. I think this kind of takes away a little bit from the design, but you know, you can turn that on and, and it can be made a little bit more clear what's a button and what's not on the iPhone. Yeah. You know, uh, kind of on the subject of being able to see your phone. Yeah. You know, I I've been using a, a six plus now for a couple months as you know, I got one to test the books on when my books went on the phone and my wife wanted to use my iPhone six and she hasn't given it back to me yet. So I'm, uh, I'm using the six plus for it, it. It is definitely easier to read the bigger screen now, but do you have it in six mode so that? No, I have it. I have it in, I don't have it in like super text. I don't have it in the mode that makes it bigger. How do I say it? I have it in the natural mode. You know, it's I'm, not, okay. it's, it's not like using the old phone pixels on the bigger screen. Yes, I guess it's not in six mode is the way I would say. It. Um, but at the same time, just the bigger screen is easier to read. Um, I'm going to write this up for Max Sparky, but, you know, it's just not that much different between the six plus and the six. I'm not sure what I'll do when the new phones come out. If I get a new one, I'll probably just go back to the six. But it's a little easier to read the bigger one. It's a little less convenient to carry around the bigger form factor. But um, as big of a deal as I made of it when they came out with the two, how I couldn't decide I don't think either one is really that bad. I think they're both okay. Yeah. I'm, uh, not, 
I'm not like hell bent on the six plus, but I'm not, I don't hate it either. I don't know. Um, I still might go back smaller. I might go back to 4.7. Well, or wait, no, what's the, five. Is that? It would be yeah, five. five now. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, I mean, there's all sorts of rumors, so we'll be talking about it soon. Um, another thing in addition to accessibility is just restrictions, uh, you know, for like managing kids devices, um, you know, uh, removing iTunes connect. We talked about that in the show we did on the new iTunes. Um, I like the iTunes connect once I figured out how to remove the artists that I don't care about. I don't like it. I got rid of it. Um, the other yeah. thing that you can do is in restrictions is you can reduce the max volume which I think is a helpful thing because I'll have a tendency to turn it all the way up, even when I really don't need it that loud and you can do damage to your ears and you know, you, you only got, you only got one set. You got two yep. of them, but only one set. Yeah. Um, another thing that you should do once in a while and the, you know, I, I forget to do this is just reset your phone. I mean, once in a while, turn it off and turn it back on again. I mean, how long have you been running your phone as of today? Like the, the, well, the my phone. phone randomly resets itself, so I don't have this problem. Oh, really? When, you don't have how this? How long has that been going on? Forever, since iOS, uh, where are we, 8? Yeah. I, my phone is sitting on a desk, unattended by itself, doing nothing, and it will reset. I have not seen that. I've, I've oh, had yeah. some bugs, because I, I switched it up to the iOS 9 beta recently, so I'm having some bugs and some issues, and I'm submitting radars, but... I have not had, I've had pretty good stability with my phone. Oh yeah. No, I was, my, I was cooking breakfast the other day and my phone was sitting on a table doing nothing. And I looked over and it reset. I'm like, seriously? Wow. Whatever. Um, well, either way, if your phone has been turned on for a couple of weeks, it doesn't, you know, hurt to turn it all the way off and let it kind of blow out the cobwebs and then turn it back on. And, um, and I know that's not supposed to make a difference, but it does because, you know, these are these are electronic devices. And sometimes if you let them run long enough, they they get gremlins in the system. Right. Um, the, the other to, thing is a, a hard reset of the system. And I you know, that that's kind of my general first troubleshooting step if something kind of wonky is happening. And I'm, you know, I've, I always ask people whenever, whenever the kind of the designated person that people come to me, people come to me with their iPhones and iPads and all kinds of weird states. And about, I would say about nine times out of 10, I reset them and it fixes the problem. And they're like, how did you do that? And I said, okay, let me show you how to reset your phone. Uh, and the way that you do that, so all the Mac Power users, listeners know, is you just hold down the home button and you hold down the sleep wake button. And you keep holding, keep holding, keep holding the slide to unlock or the slide to turn off uh, button will come, uh, screen will come on. Keep holding, keep holding, keep holding. And at some point, the Apple logo will pop up and it will reset. Yeah, it takes about 10 seconds. Have you, Katie, have you ever watched the IT crowd? Uh, I don't think so. No, it's, it's, but I've it's been meaning Net to. It's on Netflix. It's a it's a British uh, series about it. Uh, IT room and they have a they have an answering machine that says IT room and then it pauses and says have you tried turning it off and turning it on again <laughs> that's the yeah. Uh, yeah that's it's great great stuff man watch it you'll love it um okay so reset your phone once in a while why not um now now that kind of leads to oh a related don't, don't topic. even don't even go here no I, I want to because oh I I just saw somebody doing it the other day I was at the mall I was watching it drives me it. crazy okay so there's some kind of um somehow word got out there and actually this was told to me once by an apple genius and i They're think the wrong. guy had no clue um but so you, what you do is you start just closing apps 
You know, you can do that by double tapping the home button and it gets you the app, you know, the view. I forget what's the name of that view where you've app got the switcher, little cards for you. App switcher. And then you swipe up and then it deletes the app or I'm sorry, it doesn't delete the app. It closes the app. And I saw somebody sitting there and they were going through meticulously closing. Like, I think it was like about 50 apps. You know, they just kept swiping up as long as they could. Yeah, no, someone and, at my office does this every time they use an app, they then close it. Yeah. It drives and that's kind me of like, crazy. Is it an old time computer user? I mean, that. Well, I, they're, that a pretty that? No, they're a pretty novice computer user, and they did it because the person yeah. at the Verizon store told them to do it. Yeah. Well, and I can ne- I can never undo it because no matter what I do or what I say, I clearly do not have the level of cred of <laughs> as the of, Verizon store uh, of, minimum wage employee. of the nineteen year old <laughs> at the Verizon store. Yeah. Well, either way, so I, so you see people do this, and I'm sure it's not our, our listeners as much as it is probably some relatives and friends of our listeners. But these people get this impression, and they spend so much time going through closing these apps. It doesn't make any difference. Um, Apple has a system that closes apps as it needs the memory and the space and it leaves them open when it can to make things faster as you switch between them. However, there is a co- occasion where you may want to close an app. Like for instance, on my wife's phone, almost every time she's having a problem with her phone, I close the Facebook app and suddenly things work better on her phone. I don't know if they've got better at it. I haven't had to do it now for about a month or two, but it it was like for a while there. And she thought I was like really smart because I would, she'd hand me her phone and I'd hand it back to her working. So if you have an app that goes off the rails and like, for instance, we had the uh, discussion earlier about cellular usage. If you have an app that seems like it's just drinking cellular like crazy, close it, you know, you can close apps, uh, but don't, don't get in the habit of going through and just closing all the apps. That's just going to make you crazy and it doesn't do anything. I'm, we're going to get so much feedback on this. I'm thinking about putting links in the show notes to all of these legitimate uh, you know, places I, that say don't I, do it. Yeah, I don't think we're going to get, I think it's pretty well known at this point that it doesn't make sense, but you know, we'll see, I guess. Um, and then I guess, you know, because we're the Mac Power users, we can't help ourselves. We, we added a section to the outline about backup. Yeah, you you should do that. Yeah, there you go. I think we covered that. Well, okay. No, seriously, you're going to leave it there. <laughs> go to uh, the first place to go is your iCloud settings. And um, the, the problem, and this is, this makes me a little nuts is Apple sells devices with 128 gigabytes and a free iCloud accounts um, is five gigabytes. I, I don't know. I just feel like if you're going to charge that much and you're going to get people to sell devices that big, that, that the, uh, at a minimum, the iCloud backup should, should be able to support it. And a lot of times it can't. Now, the way they do the backup on iCloud is they don't back up every individual app. They back up the data. They're just going to reload the apps from their own servers if you have to restore. But uh, it's easy to run out of space with the free account. Uh, That being said, I have paid enough for all my family members that they have this automatic iCloud backup at all times. And it saved our bacon a few times. I mean, if you have a phone that gets broken or dropped in the pool or lost, uh, you can restore it very easily. Right? Yeah. And, and it doesn't help to do a, or doesn't hurt to do a belt and suspenders approach here because you can still, once you set your phone to backup via iCloud, by default, that's how it's going to happen. And I suggest that you do this. Set your phone to backup via iCloud and it will backup once a day when it's plugged in, when it's connected to Wi Fi. My phone usually does this about 2 a.m. Uh, you know, when it's, when it's plugged in at night and, and everybody's asleep. And that's great. 
But I still suggest that you go ahead and do a cable backup um, via iTunes, which you can do manually in iTunes by clicking, you know, plugging your iPhone in, opening iTunes and clicking the button to create a backup. I still do this every once in a while, maybe once before uh, I expect a big iTunes backup or before I'm about to make big changes. Because while I love iCloud backups, sometimes things can go wrong. And there have been situations when we've had Mac Power users, listeners write in and tell us that they were unable to restore from an iCloud backup because something went bad. And if I can't get my iCloud backup, I would still probably rather have a month old iTunes backup than nothing. Yeah, generally, if there's a second way to backup your device, then you should probably do that, too. If there's a third way, you should probably do that one as well. I mean, the the more backups you have, the better. Uh, especially with these devices, because you're taking pictures with it. There's data on there you don't want to lose. Well, Katie, um, there we go. We did an hour and a half of little things you can do to optimize iOS. Yeah, not quite an hour and a half. We go for another 15 minutes if you want. You want to? <laughs> <laughs> All right. I want to thank 1Password for being the exclusive sponsor of our show. It, it is really, truly an amazing application to manage passwords. And in 2015, it's something you should have and all your family members should have as well. So thanks, 1Password. Uh, you can get show notes for this show over at relay.fm slash MPU slash 275. Can you yeah. believe we got to 275 episodes? Or they're sitting right there in your podcast app of choice if you're listening to this on a on a, one of those fancy iOS devices that we've been talking about. All right. Well, we will uh, see you next week. And uh, thanks, everyone, for uh, for coming along with us and learning about iOS optimization. <laughs>